Hi, uh, this is Ingrid Riley. Now, before you dive into this new season and this new episode, I wanted to share with you that we started all with a throwback. Now, this conversation I had with Monique was a little bit over a year ago, very much pre-COVID. And we pulled it out of our first season and we decided to publish it now in the season of COVID where online food ordering and delivery is almost now an essential service. Nonetheless, the story about her and her business, I believe is even more relevant now. So please do enjoy our conversation. And welcome to this episode in the first season of the Silicon Valley podcast, where I'll share with you conversations with Caribbean entrepreneurs that I find online and out there in the wild who are using technology and very innovative thinking to launch all kinds of digital businesses. So whether they are solopreneurs or have a startup, they have been bootstrapped or investor backed. You're going to hear who they are and what they're doing. So yes, I'm taking you to that part of the Caribbean that's beyond the beach and going digital. I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. And in this episode, I'm talking to Monique Powell. She's a founder and CEO of QuickPlate. Now, QuickPlate is in the online ordering and food delivery space. They claim to bring you great food from great, the best restaurants right to your doorstep. They make it easy for you to order online and get the food you want fast. Monique, welcome to Silicon Career Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ingrid. Awesome, awesome. Now tell me, what the hell are you doing in this online um, online food delivery business? How did you get started in, in this business in the first place? Well, for me, it was pretty much scratching my own age. So it was it was coming up to us coming up with a solution to a problem I myself had. So I'd find that, you know, I'd, I'd come home late in the evenings, not want to cook, and my options were limited to pizza. And I, I figured I couldn't be the only one who had that, that issue and would have been willing to pay to solve that problem. Uh, there was no consistently reliable way of ordering from a variety of restaurants and having it delivered. And I knew similar services existed elsewhere, and I thought, why not bring it here as well? Why not put something in place that would allow restaurants to reach diners wherever they are and in the most convenient way possible? Okay. So you had mentioned that there, you know that there are services um, you know, like this elsewhere. So what is this trend that you're riding um, in Jamaica? Well, as far as Jamaica goes, I think, I think, we got into the space at the right time because one, there there are a lot more persons who have access to MasterCard and Visa branded cards, whether those be debit or credit cards that they can use to 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 conduct transactions online. Uh, you find these days that people have become a lot more comfortable with e-commerce, as is evidenced by the long lines you'll see at ship me or any of those other international couriers. Uh, 
And in keeping with global trends, we're finding that persons, especially those with a little bit of disposable income, are gravitating towards businesses that provide convenience as a service, which is essentially what QuickPlate is. We sell convenience. We sell the, the, the additional time that you have to spend with your family, additional time that you have to spend, that you get to spend doing a little bit more work because you're not in the kitchen, because you're not going out on the road to, to, to pick up something to eat. We're, we're, we're allowing people to spend that time in ways that are more useful to them while still getting access to the same quality of meals that, that they would otherwise. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long has um, QuickPlate been around? So we've been in business since March of 2016. So that's about three and a half years now. Three and a half years. That's awesome. So tell me about what was like the, the in those early days of setting up, what was the first failure that you experienced? Um, tell us about that. And how did you recover from it? So when we did our initial research, we realized that, yes, people were shopping online, you know, shopping at Amazon, etc. A lot more people, especially those within our target market, had the, the cards that would allow them to do these kinds of transactions online. But what we didn't take into account was the fact that that wouldn't automatically translate into them having the same level of trust with online local businesses. Interesting. So okay. The fact that they were shopping on eBay and Amazon, etc., didn't necessarily mean that they were going to whip out their credit cards and spend in the same manner with a local business because a lot of persons had never, at that point in time, conducted business online with a local entity. So what mm. we were asking them to do was to trust this brand new business that was introducing something that was very new in terms of the concept of the service and also very new in terms of the way that we're expected to pay for this service, which was online. And we realized that it wasn't a build it and they would come kind of thing. Right. So... The initial growth wasn't what we expected and what we had to do in the meantime uh, was to put in secondary payment methods. So until people got used to us and and accepted that we were legitimate, um, we had to also put in some offline payment methods, you know, swipe on delivery, that sort of thing. And we also had to spend a lot of time and money as well educating the market um, as to, to who we were you know, what it was that we were doing, why they needed a service like ours, and, and why they could trust us. And I think we, we so, underestimated how much of that we would have needed to do before we were would be able to build up that kind of trust. Okay. So so pretty much, you, as you said, it was not a build it and, and they will come scenario. It was So it was not like you're going to gallop straight out the gate and be making these fantastic sales. You had to slow your roll, as it were, and um, and give them what they were comfortable with until they got you know sad to trust your brand and trust your service, and that sort of slowed down your your growth. I mean, how did that affect? I mean, 
the, you know, the overall cash flow or your ability to grow? I mean, what what happened in, in terms of the details there? Well, what it what it meant was we were burning through cash a lot more quickly than we thought we would have initially, uh, especially when you compare that burn rate to the amount of revenue we're making as opposed to what we had initially projected. So it, it meant that we had to, to find the most cost-effective ways of marketing ourselves. It meant that uh, we were very stretched. I was very stretched in terms of the number of functions that I was performing because we had to, to keep costs low. Um, you know, in terms of hiring costs and that sort of thing. Uh, but it was an interesting exercise. You know, it, it, it forced us to be be resourceful. And um, it was also pretty interesting learning more about the market and learning how to best reach them and learning how to, to, to best garner the kind of trust that we needed in order for them to do business with us in the way that we, we, we wanted them to. That's awesome. And, 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 and through that process, I mean, you've been around for a little bit over three and a half years. So that was what, one, one of the things that you, if you, you had your, your early failures and, and you, um, you found ways to cope and recover from that. What has been, on the flip side now, what has been one of the best decisions that you've made for, for QuickPlate and that really helped to drive your business? Well, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to, to answer that question because I think, the journey has been an ongoing series of basically tests and trial and error type exercises. And our growth has been incremental based on each small decision that we've made that has pushed right. forward a little bit more. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't divulge all the details in terms of, uh, bits and pieces that we've discovered that, you know, have allowed us to become more efficient than our competitors and have a wider reach. They're trade secrets, huh? <laughs> but, but, but as I said, you know, it's been a series of small steps towards, uh, towards growth, towards, you know, understanding the, the nuts and bolts of logistics, towards, you know, um, leveraging, all the digital channels and other channels that we have available to us. So just a series of small steps and, and continuous learning and growth. Awesome. Awesome. How do you, along the way, it is always said that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we entrepreneurs tend to wait until they're big wins or big things to celebrate. Are you the kind of entrepreneur, the kind of a CEO that, that celebrate your small wins and how do you do that? I, I I think I don't do it nearly enough. Uh, I think I'm continuously on the path um, towards the, the end goal that I have in mind for business. And sometimes it means that I, I don't always slow down and take the time to celebrate small things. But lately yeah. I have begun to become a little bit more conscious of that. And um, I think it's because I'm coming to the realization that the, this is a marathon, a matter of sprint. So yes. a big part of the journey will be not 
great monumental discoveries or, or, or um, massive in new innovations. It's going to be those small wins that push us closer and closer to where we want to be. And that is important to stop and recognize and, and be happy about each, each small step in the right direction because those, it's those steps that add up and, 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 and will eventually bring us to a point where we realize the vision that we have for this day. Okay, 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 awesome. So, you, you, you know, you, you've been on this journey as an entrepreneur with QuickPlate for three and a half um, years. Um, but this is not your first rodeo, um, is it? Uh, no, I, I mean, before starting QuickPlate, I was, I was in the corporate space in a nine to five. I was working with Scotiabank, uh, right. marketing, but Prior to that, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, at 17 and 18, I was walking around different places and offering to build websites and find different So it's always been a pattern. As far as web-based projects are concerned, um, several years ago, I had a site called Roman Donkey, which was like a local travel guide. Wait, what was that? Can you speak a little bit louder? Um, you, you had what? I had a, I had a local travel guide called Roaming Donkey several years ago. Uh, yes. And a little bit more recently, maybe about five years ago, there was an online dating site that I had started. So there have been other web-based projects or web-based businesses before QuickPlate, but QuickPlate is the first one of is a, is the first one of this scale that 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 I brought. Okay, and what's what's the number one thing that you've learned about yourself as an entrepreneur so far? I've learned a lot about my ability to be resilient, uh, and and resilience here doesn't mean that I don't get down when things aren't going the way I want them to. Or that I haven't occasionally have had thoughts about giving up and that sort of thing. But what it means is that I bounce back after each of those instances, and most times with more determination than I had before. And I think it's running this business that has made me realize just so strong man. okay and god knows we all need that right because as you said it's um it's a marathon and um definitely not um not a sprint um for you you know having gone from corporate to trying a couple of different um you know other you know startups other projects to now having um quick plate um, and just along your 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 entire journey, how do you now define success versus maybe how you defined it um, before? I think my definition of success as far as the company is concerned has pretty much always been the same. For me, success for quickly is building a profitable business. It's building a business that people can feel proud to work for. It's building a business that can compete with the best in the world in terms of service delivery. And that was our goal from the start and that continues to be our goal now, achieving 
Okay. And what about, and, and that's for the company. So what about personal success? How do you know that, as you say, we, we'd say in Jamaica, you reach, right? How would you, how would you define um, success on a personal level for you? On a personal level, uh, a couple of years, I actually sat down and, and, and asked myself what success would look like for me because I realized a lot of us we want to be successful, but we have no definition of what it is on a personal level. So yeah, even if we reach, we don't know. Uh, but and I realized that for me it was one being able to live comfortably, you know, financially speaking, being able to work on things that were meaningful to me, and all while having the ability to to spend time with friends and family and um, hobbies that had nothing to do with my work or my occupation. So getting to a place where I feel like I have attained those three things, uh, I think that will, that's a mark of a success for me. Okay, okay. All right. Um, now we're going to a segment what I call um, about the Silicon Carib Manifesto. No, I mean I've I've been in you know I started you know Silicon Carib I think it was like fourteen years ago. And, you know, done my own stints um, in terms of an entrepreneur and just being in the, in the ecosystem in the region and the diaspora. And so I decided, you know, during this radical sabbatical, I was going to create this manifesto about Caribbean tech entrepreneurship. It's almost done. But I wanted to, you know, it, with this first season of entrepreneurs like that I'm interviewing like yourself, I'd ask, um, ask a couple of things regarding this, um, you know, Caribbean tech industry that that we're currently in now. Silicon Caribbean, um, you know, manifesto is coming out soon, and the intention really is to amplify and to inspire and to disrupt our thinking around what's possible when we, you know, choose to leverage technology and innovative thinking, um, and how how are we doing that to to fundamentally change the face of business and the face of wealth in the Caribbean, especially during this the digital age, and so the premise is that. Each Caribbean nation, I believe, should sit with itself and acknowledge what it does best in the world. Every country has something. And then how do we marry what we do best in the world um, with existing and emerging technology to further cement those, um, those trends? Now, you are Jamaican. Quick Plate is Jamaican-blazed. What do you believe is, you know, you could maybe name one or two, are, are Jamaica's superpowers? And what do you think would be like the best um, technology that we could pair with that to make Jamaica even greater? If I had to pick one, just one, I'd, I'd say that we are extraordinarily creative. And I think it's it's reflected in our music, in our dancing, etc. And if we can find, I personally don't know what it, what the end product would look like, but if we can find a way to leverage technology to build a product that, that, that leverages our creativity and, and somehow manage to turn that into something that is scalable and something that can reach the world and something that we can make money on, then I think we'd be heading in the right direction. Okay. Okay. All right. You're right. Yeah, definitely. How do you think um, being in Jamaica 
has either helped or hindered you um, as an entrepreneur and in growing um, a profitable business like um, like Whiplet? In in terms of how it's helped me, I think. Firstly, I think getting a business off the ground in Jamaica is extremely difficult. I don't think Jamaica is a very small business-friendly environment. So I believe if you manage to successfully get a business off the ground in Jamaica, you can do it anywhere else. So it's, 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 it's kind of built up a certain level of resourcefulness in me and, and within the company that had we been in... Uh, first world country with access to more resources and better facilities. I, I, I don't think we, we we would have been able to or, or been required to. Uh, but in terms of the drawbacks, there are things like access to proper e-commerce facilities, for example. So the average person with a business idea can't easily get to the place where they're able to transact business with customers online. So they we have a few options here in terms of e-commerce, but they, 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 the ones that are available internationally, Braintree, Stripe, etc., are light years ahead of everything that we have here. So, you know, just getting set up on a, with a local e-commerce provider, for example, took us eight months here. Compare that to, yeah. to to getting online with Stripe or Braintree in one to two days or less, you know, and, and I think it's a huge, huge hindrance to, to our tech entrepreneurs who, who just might not have that kind of other resources necessary to 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 go through that entire process and 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 be able to do all the back end work that is required for the integration and that sort of thing. But I think I think having not having access to first rate e-commerce facilities mm-hmm. has been a hindrance. And even even for us, it affects the pace as, at which we can innovate because there are particular things that we would like to do that would be very easy for us if we had access to better e-commerce facilities. But it requires so much more time and, and resourcefulness because of the fact that we don't, just to get those same features out of the girl. Right. And, and so, and so, and so as a playoff from that as well, um, what would you like Jamaica to be more of um, that would be even better for you? Yeah, without question, um, you know, have better e-commerce um, options. But um, outside of that, um, what would you like Jamaica to be, to be more of that would make it even better for you and, and your business? I think we need to pay more than just lip service to our support, the support that we lend to, to entrepreneurs and people who are getting the business out of home. And that, that can take different forms, you know. I mean, the, getting, getting our financial institutions, for example, to put more in place to support our small business, you know, even as it relates to simple things like getting bank accounts, unbelievably difficult to do for our business. You know, things like getting access to financing, uh, government-led, government-led initiatives around getting tech businesses off the ground and, and getting them the kind of 
mentorship that they need, getting them the kind of resources that they need. Just, you know, um, greater support, you know, that goes beyond standing on a podium and saying nice things, but actual real tangible initiatives that are put in place that are designed to help small business people get off the ground. And, and, and initiatives and facilities that they can easily access because they'll tell you that facilities exist. But the entrepreneurs will tell you about how many groups they have to jump through just to get access to their facilities. And we need to make it easier for businesses if we're serious about entrepreneurs leading the way and entrepreneurs creating jobs and, and, and contributing to it in a, in a meaningful way. Well, we're down to the last two questions before I let you go, Monique. Um, so what does being a Jamaican entrepreneur, a Caribbean entrepreneur in this age of digital really kind of um, excites you or, or means or what, what does it mean to you to be doing business um, with all these possibilities and, um, you know, afforded by digital? What does that mean for you? Well, I, I'm excited to, to be in this space at this time because I, I I see where the gates are starting to open up. I see where Jamaican techies, for example, have started to move away from hobby-type projects that were generating little to no revenue to actual serious tech-based businesses that are focused on becoming profitable. I'm seeing that trend. I'm seeing um, a willingness on the part of the average consumer to, 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 to open up their minds to doing business online. You know, um, and I think this is the start of a wave that will, will see us moving, moving at a, at a much faster pace than we've been able to in previous years in terms of out of Rome and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the next three to five years are going to be. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And so as a, as a woman tech entrepreneur, um, you can speak to women specifically or anyone. Um, what's the number one thing you would say to anyone who wants to jump into this deep end um, of tech entrepreneurship while you know while living here in the Caribbean. Well, I, I think the advice would be the same for for any kind of entrepreneur, and, and I'd say one, do your research, make sure that you are providing a service that people want, want, and two are willing to pay for. And two, make sure you're mentally and financially ready for the journey. Uh, it's going to take a lot out of you mentally, a lot out of you emotionally. And you need to make sure that you, you, you expect that and you, you're ready for that and that you have a support system in place. You have friends, you have family that you'll be able to, to lean on because it's going to get very tough. And also, the average business takes several years usually before it becomes profitable. And you, you need to make sure that you have, you've figured out how you're going to survive until you get to that point. So, yeah, those two things. Make sure make sure you've done your research and that you're providing a service that people want and also make sure that you're, you're personally ready. Okay. So just before we get, so just, just want to clear, um, Monique, 
initially QuickPlay was bootstrapped mm-hmm. upon it by you. Right. And later on, you found to take um, angel investment um, uh, money, right? Right. All right, beautiful. And would you say, is QuickPlay profitable now? Uh, well, I can't divulge information about our revenue and profitability at this point in time. We're continuously growing and I'm, and I'm happy with the pace of growth as it is. Beautiful. That's all I need to know. You know? <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much, uh, Monique Powell, founder and CEO of QuickPlate. Um, and it is myquickplate.com. So you can go to myquickplate.com in, whether, when you're, if you're visiting Jamaica or you live in Jamaica and order your fast food, your healthy food, your vegan food, your ice cream, which is what I later learned. <laughs> you can order all kinds of food from quite, quite you know, wide range of restaurants um, in Jamaica. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode in the first season of the Silicon Caribbean podcast, where every week I'll be sharing with you stories about Caribbean entrepreneurs that I find online and out there in the wild who are using technology and very innovative thinking to launch all kinds of businesses. So I want to tell you who they are and what they're doing. So in every episode, I'll be taking you to that part of the Caribbean that's beyond the beach and going digital. So if you really have liked and enjoyed um, this podcast, do leave a comment, give us a rating on the platform you're listening to. Um, And of course, do tell a friend. And until next time, I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. Take care.